0: last podcast, Sully and I are recording our journey as we try to grow as a gym. Um, so we did a webinar today just to kind of learn what we can learn and see where we can improve. Um, the The webinar was specifically about businesses for personal trainers, so um, marketing, marketing, Um, just general things that you should consider. Um, So we kind of just wanted to kind of recap what did we learn from this podcast. Um, One of the things um, that we did learn was um, that there's different kinds of marketing, which we we all know, but for me, I don't know um, definitions or anything. Um, so one kind of marketing is interruptive market marketing. So that's considered like ads on a podcast or, um, commercials on TV or ads on a radio, even, um, advertising in a printed document. So a magazine and, uh, ads along the side, this is all considered interruption marketing and the concept of interruption. Exactly. Is it Interrupting. Um, it's just interrupting. So, like, if if we want to put an ad, we're gonna take a commercial break for a return to form and then have an ad. Um, that's interrupting the podcast. So that's an interruption. I can see how that would get annoying really quick. It does. Like, I listen to other podcasts, and I literally have learned how to fast forward and hit the fast forward button during the ads, and I just listen. But then
1: on that hundredth episode, you're like, hmm, I might just click on that link.
0: But that's the point, right? Is you want to, the, the, the idea of interruption marketing is creating awareness. So you it's want to. It's literally
1: based on volume. It's like. Yes. Keep hitting someone in the face with your ad
0: until they. Button. Eventually click. And sometimes if you think about personal training, that makes sense. Because. Hitting pe- people in the face. No, no, no. Um, putting it in their face though. You want to work out. You want to work out. Why do you want to work out? You want to work out because you want to feel good. You want to work out because you want to have someone encourage you. You want to work out because you want to feel confident. You want to feel strong. Like if you just keep hitting someone with that message over and over again, they're going to eventually be like, yeah, I do want to get stronger. Yeah. I do want to feel better about myself. These people say they're going to help me. I'm going to go see them. So that's kind of The concept behind that. Um, Permission marketing is interactive. It's meant to build a relationship. So it's directly interacting with the person. So this is um, social media fits perfectly into this category. Facebook, Instagram, you're creating brand awareness. So um, if we just use our Instagram profiles, for a perfect example, we're constantly telling you guys about what we do. Like for me, I post about the dogs that we dog sit with, um, where we also both post about our lifters when we go to kettlebell meets, or we just post about random day things that happen in our lives so that you guys know that we're real people. We have ups and downs just like the rest of you. Um, and it, it's meant to get the people, the audience, to get to know us so that they want to interact with us. You want to sell yourself to the point that people are like, I want to be around you because you want to surround yourself with like-minded people. Any comments?
1: Yeah. Do we have an outline for this podcast or what? I see a bunch of stuff scribbled on a piece of paper. Um, no, the webinar that we listened to was on the business of personal training. And so, yeah, that's going to touch on some marketing points, but, um, I mean, we talked a lot about that in the last episode. So, um, really what I'd like to convey here is just, uh, give almost a synopsis of the, uh, presenter's message in the webinar that we had watched. Uh, he, uh, Mark Nutting actually released a book called the business of personal training and, um, I'll give you a list. Sorry, a um. The hello computer. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, of the um, all the chapters that are in it. Okay, so the content starts with part one: understanding the roles and responsibilities of personal trainers. So there's a lot of. Um, kind of stuff that almost seems basic but it's it's uh regulatory and um it's important stuff that needs to be taken into account before you even start thinking about the whole monetary side of starting your personal training business so um it's going over things like uh uh, evaluating your um or reflecting on your choice to become a personal trainer um what your role is what your scope of training is or the scope of the law so um you know, what your boundaries are as far as legality
0: is concerned, ethical responsibilities. um. I think that's huge too. Um, It's important for trainers to know their ethical boundaries because um, there are things that maybe when someone comes to you with an injury is a perfect example. It is completely out of your scope of knowledge. You need to be confident enough to be like, This person and this injury is something that I don't feel I should be dealing with. Now, like, I'm not saying that you can't learn how to exercise, but you have to know, like, should this person be referred to a physiotherapist or a kinesiologist or a general GP? Like, you have to know those boundaries, but also talk about it in a sense like, okay, I would like you to go see your physiotherapist, but I want to open up a line of communication. I want to still continue working with you, but I need your, uh, pers- or your physiotherapist to communicate with me so that we are making sure we are strength training along their guidelines and making sure that your needs are still met. So if someone has a shoulder injury... You'll finding ways to use their legs and strengthen their legs and then using their suggestions on what they need to do for the shoulder. And then the
1: book branches out into working for a fitness facility as a personal trainer. It will cover topics or it does cover topics such as uh, being contracted by a fitness facility. Um, the difference of that and an employee being such that you, when you're a contractor, you have your own business and your own um,
0: insurance. And- well, your own
1: insurance, but the, the, your own kind of uh, 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 way that you like to run uh, what it is that you do that may or may not fall outside the uh, the philosophies or approaches of the uh, gym or facility that's actually employing you. You know, they hire you to do a job um, and, and they trust you to kind of do your thing. Um, and you're going to be hired based on how they feel about how you do what you, what it is that you do versus an employee who is there to do what they're told basically. Um, obviously it's, it's a bit more expansive than that, but, uh, I guess there's a certain re- responsibility, um, uh, a difference in that responsibility level.
0: I think the other thing, too, is there, there is a difference in um, not only responsibility, but pay. Like some people, um, if, if you're working for usually a big gym and you're hired as a personal trainer, um, they will possibly be taking out EI, CPP, all those kinds of things. You might even get holidays built into your um, pay system. Where if you're a contractor, you're probably getting paid an hourly rate, and then there's no benefits on top of that. There's no EI, CPP taken out. Um, that EI and CPP are Canadian things. It could be different in the States. Um, but also uh, an example, of if I hire personal trainers under my business, as a kinesiologist, they are covered under my insurance. Um The way I do go about it is those clients are clients of the business. If the trainer wants to bring in outside clients and they dictate like the people coming in and um, that they want them to be their sole, uh, their clients, then they need to have their own insurance Um, So it's a little bit... And then they would rent the space instead of being paid out by me. So we would just approach it differently if that was the way that they wanted to go.
1: But even then, you don't rent the space when you work at the Pilates studio. Yes, I do. Well, now you do.
0: Now I do. But before... You were
1: still technically contractor.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Even though you weren't renting the space. No. There will on occasion be some unique situations... um, that might even fall contradictory to, um, the existing legalities. Um, but not even the legalities. I mean, there's like red tape and loopholes and stuff like that and uh, ways that you should and should not kind of approach certain situations, uh, in terms of how you organize, uh, your, uh, employee structure and stuff like that. And so those things will pop up, but I don't think they're really that, uh, they're, they're not going to be that big of a deal if, um, if rules are bent, I guess, unless a lawyer tells you it's a big deal. Well, and I think it also um,
0: depends on your situation, right? Like, if let's just give an example, you wanna work part time and you maybe have a spouse that makes a large income and you're just kind of doing it on the side. Maybe your choice, because money is not an issue, might be dictated differently than someone who is trying to make this their sole income. They're trying to work 40, 60 hours a week. You're going to look at it differently because it is going to affect your taxes. We uh, last year really learned that on my end. Um, It just became a more of a situation. The more I worked, the more taxes I paid and really overall my income didn't increase because of the amount I had to pay. So what we had to look at was Um, I needed to change the way I was being paid to make it more beneficial. And that's partially what led us to, okay, we need to start uh, our own business or make it more so that we are working for ourselves because um, that was the, the next step in growing our personal income and making it bigger.
1: Um, so chapter three in the book, uh, covers choosing to be a self-employed personal trainer. And so again, it goes over the differences between independent contractor versus employee, um, and making that decision. But, um, also questions that you should be asking yourself when you, um, when you jump into this is, you know, are you going to be training your clients at a facility or are you going to be training your clients, uh, in the home? Uh, or office? Uh, Are you going to be training clients strictly online? And these are all things that you need to figure out and what the implications of those are. Because also with the online thing, uh, there's the whole cybersecurity angle that is uh, really being pushed by the insurance companies right now to... um, to uh, get covered with the cybersecurity, you know, if you're keeping your clients' records uh, in an online database, that could be compromised. Uh, there's questions of privacy there, and it's your responsibility to make sure that that privacy is protected. Uh, are you going to be coaching clients by phone, email, or text? Those are all different ways that you could potentially run your business, and they're all viable options, and, and you need to figure out the framework for how that'll work. Uh, chapter four, choosing to be a personal trainer and facility owner. Uh, the challenges of your roles, which type of facility will serve your market best. Um, that's kind of an interesting one. Which he did touch
0: on in the podcast. So it's specifying your market your market. So, a prime example is my personal market are people with injuries. I want to work with someone who it could be an athletic injury, it could be a car accident, it could have been a work injury, just a general injury, pre-op, post-op, and that's my target market. And then Sully's target So how does your facility affect that? How does my facility affect it? Um Well, we have to consider, like, how is the person going to enter the facility? So a prime example is our front steps need to have a railing. Um, we need to, I think this
1: is more along the lines of if you're going to be teaching high volume classes,
0: you need a, you need a high volume space. space. So that's another example is, um, where Sully's focus is kettlebells and he's doing small group classes on that perspective. We need to make sure that we have the space to, provide to the volume
1: now if i were to strictly just do i mean i can think of a local example um there's there's a business that runs their uh fitness training out of an old school um old public school so but they're mainly situated in the gymnasium itself so um and especially with uh you know if you're just running a boot camp a gymnasium is a great option or you can use the park um but if you're going if if you're going to run Classes or something of that stripe in uh, um, public property or like the the city's property, you need to uh, have your insurance include them, uh, uh, you know, be named uh, as an insured on your insurance. That has to be done. And I think you probably need to get permission from the city to do that. Yeah, I believe so. Otherwise, you could be um, on the line for a fine. Um, although a lot of people don't really bother. Uh, there's a lot of examples of, of people who don't bother to do that. So,
0: Well, one of the things, an example of that was um, in London, Ontario, one summer it was becoming super popular for boot camps in the park, um, and the city started going after trainers who were doing it. The reason the concern was people were tying TRXs up to trees, and then branches were breaking, and the concern was that the branch would fall down on someone or the person would fall with the breakage and injure themselves and the city didn't want to be liable they wanted the trainer to be liable and that's where it started to become an issue and people were getting fined
1: and it's quite possible that your insurance as a personal trainer won't even cover those types of situations so for example my insurance Um, Some additional stipulations are it actually separates CrossFit training from personal training. So if you're CrossFit certified and or you plan on running a CrossFit gym, you're going to have to up your premium because that's not included in the normal personal training um, liability. Also, it it goes over, are you going to be having people... Uh, suspended or hanging particularly upside down, whether this be a TRX system or some other suspension system. That's another separate consideration. Those things are not covered in your regular liability. So you might think that you're covered when you're really not. So you got to really make sure that you read your fine print. Um, I know it's sometimes it's, it's, it can be a, a bit of a headache to go through uh, the paperwork, but it's really, really important that you understand exactly what your coverage
0: is. I always I always thought that suspension when I always pictured like aerial yoga I didn't even think of TRX. Well, definitely, definitely. Well, well it is a suspension unit. It's called a suspension and, unit. And
1: gymnastics, right? Gymnastics. There's you know CrossFit's big with the gymnastics works and and if you got people doing like skin the cats and stuff like that where they're, you know, turning upside down. I mean, you can't just really throw anyone up there. There are uh, really obvious and common limitations that can prevent someone from doing that safely. So uh, it's an understandable—it definitely um, is understandable. uh, I just uh, a distinction that they make in the insurance. So you just got to make sure you know what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, So part two: learning and applying business skills part two in this book, creating a business plan. So it does go over creating a business plan, which has, is, is something that we've been doing. Um, and it, and the book actually does contain a number of templates for that type of thing as well. Uh, determining your business structure is chapter six. So, um, uh, what would that entail exactly?
0: I think just like your, your concept and how you're going to organize your business. So it, I, I think in a way, um, how we were discussing when we went to our business meeting about um, one way Sally and I can look at our business, and I, th- I do think it's a good idea, is we actually have a sole business, one business together. And underneath that umbrella is return to form and is ballistic strength. Um, and then- we and the reason is is it's tracking clients in specific directions and it's really narrowing uh the focus that would put us into an organizational structure partially um for finances but also for directing new clients
1: um and uh, we're not recommending that you do exactly what we do we just happen to run our business out of our home and um and our businesses coincide in the same industry. And so we r- run them um, very partner like, but they are separate sole proprietorships that um, have different pay structures and have different client lists uh, for the most part. One way you could, like
0: sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. One way you could look at it is um, if we were in a commercial space, it is multiple people going in on the same commercial space. Sharing the rent um, and working together as a team. So they're individual businesses. So let's just say we had um, three rooms. Um, One is a personal trainer, one is a Pilates instructor, and one's a physiotherapist. All three together are working together to bring in clients. They're referring back to each other, but they're individual businesses.
1: Um, I could keep going with the chapters, but um, why don't we distill down to... W- the rest of the webinar that we actually caught which was the sales aspect I remember when I started out as a trainer I was not super keen on you know being the salesman and there are some franchise gyms that really um push that it that is yeah that's kind of their people thing people
0: get hired on their quotas
1: and stuff like that yeah in commission and um and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way I never really saw myself as, as that kind of guy and I was always very artistic growing up and And, uh, and so I didn't really have a a business sense or even a capitalist sense, that sort of thing. But, um, the longer I work in, in this industry and the more that I accomplish personally and professionally, the more I discover that, you know, what I'm selling quote unquote, um, is, is for the most part stuff that people need and they do want it. And, um, if you believe that you're delivering a good product, there's nothing wrong with selling what you have to give um, and, and doing it, you know, completely enthusiastically and, uh, and, and whatnot. So, um, I think it's important to maybe even write down on paper, you know, why is what I do important? You know, how do I help people? Uh, that kind of thing, just so you can, you can. Really lay it down and give yourself some clarity as to what your own mission statement is, and and how are you going to deliver your message to other people? Well, you deliver it through your business, you deliver it through your products, right? Um, and that you know, selling is part of that thing that you're offering.
0: Um, so one of the here, things I'll give you the
1: well, we can go through your yeah. notes there.
0: Um, one of the things he he really touched on was um, when you. Get a new client coming in, you should suggest for them to sit down with you and chat. And Sully and I do believe in that. And you know what's interesting? The people who aren't really ready to do this, they won't even set up the free consultation. But the free consultation, the sit down, really um, lets people make the decision for themselves of is this what they want to do. And, um, one of the points that I really picked up on was he said, don't even give them a price point at the beginning. What you want to do is discuss their goals. Why are they there? Why are they coming to you? Um, making sure that they're achievable and whether you can help them or not. And then, um, really think of it as, reducing down the layers of the goals. And sometimes people, they have this picture and the problem is, is the picture is too big. So, um, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, 20 pounds is a lot that takes a lot of time. You have to think about nutrition. You have to think about training. You have to, uh, think about all the little steps that are going to one, get you in the gym. To get you, you have to learn the skills, how to do what you need to do in the gym, do what you need to do for meal prepping. So it's really breaking it down. Um, and the other thing is, is after you've had that discussion with the client, you want to ask them if they think that they can do it. So again, you still haven't even discussed price. You have had this conversation. You've asked them what their goals are even make notes so that they can visually see it. And then you say to them, do you think you can do this? Do you think you can commit to working out three times a week for an hour? And they can say yay or nay. Um, and if, if price comes up at that point, they'd be like, well, I, I can work out three times a week for an hour, but I can't afford it. So what you want to approach the situation is, is, okay, well, how do we make this achievable for you? If you are more of a support system to the person, so you compromise, why don't we get you in the gym once a week and on the other two days, you are required to do your program on your own. You're responsible. You got to hold yourself accountable. That person, because they're seeing you as a support, you, they have the communication with you, are going to be a little bit more likely to be like, yeah, I can still do this. I'll do the two workouts on my own, and then I'm going to come in and work up, work out with you and follow up with you and make sure I'm hitting all those points. Um, and I think sometimes, and another thing that really struck me was, he said, we as trainers are worried that we're going to be rejected by the client, Um due to price. So you might like barter, Oh, I'm going to make my sessions cheaper just so this person signs up with me. Um, you have to really value yourself. You have to stick to your price point and make sure that you're not undervaluing your services. Um, you need to, if, if they choose to maybe not train with you at all, follow up with them because they might change their mind. They might walk away from that meeting and be like, no, I can totally do this on my own. I don't need a trainer because you had sat there and you had discussed the game plan. But then after a week or two, they might come back and be like, actually, I do need to come see you once a week, even every other week, just to check in, be held responsible and things like that.
1: Well, and some people get comfortable just kind of not doing anything um, and it's not because they n- don't they necessarily don't want to it's just that they um, it's easier to do nothing than to say yes or no um, so that's where the following up becomes really important and uh, Rich, if you want to give an example uh, we don't have the name names here in terms of businesses but how you took uh, 200 client base into 500
0: um Well, I think, I think the biggest thing is, so one thing I noticed, I used to do class registration for a studio that I used to work for. Um, and when we would first send out the, the class schedule, um, one thing I did learn was give a due date. So everyone needs to sign, uh, send their registration in by this date. And I always go through the list. I would make sure who has sent in their registration, and I confirm with every single one because they want confirmation. If you don't confirm, they don't think that they're in the class. You need to make sure that you confirm. I would confirm with those who did register. And when I get close to the due date, the due date has not come yet, I start sending reminder emails to every person who has not sent in their registration. So an example would be, "Hey Rachel, your usual classes are Monday and Wednesday at 9:30. Would you still like to be in that class? If these times don't work for you anymore, let's look at something else. Maybe a Friday would work better at 9:30." I give them 2 days to respond, and then if I still haven't heard from them, I follow up again. Hey, I know you're probably busy. It's Christmas holidays right now, but I just wanted to check in because I don't want you to lose your spot. So just let me know if this time works or not, and then we can make any arrangements that we need to. But clients really respect you following up with them because they're so busy with their lives. They're not even thinking about that. Where if you're holding them in, they're going to, and then you start to learn too, this specific person sully he is always a week into session then he finally responds to his email and says oh yeah i do want my class so you have you have to kind of learn which people do you have to chase down a little bit more and which people are pretty good and the people who like after you sent two to three emails don't respond they've lost their spot like you also have to prove to people you're not hanging around for them so because Sully emailed a week late into the session and wanted his spot, sorry, you missed the deadline. We'll have to find a different time slot for you, We're, but we can still make this work. I can sli- slide you into these dates and times. Um, so being accommodating but also setting your boundaries is super, super important. Um, but it really helps retention. And then because of that, that communication – those clients refer. I honestly had multiple people come in and say I was told I need to talk to Rachel. Who's Rachel? She's the one that knows everything. And it it wasn't that I knew everything. It was that I had open lines of communication, which that's what people were looking for.
1: What do you think? Do we think we gave them enough?
0: I think we covered quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think we'll just keep this one short and sweet.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Um, if you have any questions about um, anything that uh, we're learning as we go, or um, or you just want some advice, uh, and we might be able to help you out. Uh, don't hesitate to contact us. You can email me at sully at ballisticstrength.ca, or you can go to the website www.ballisticstrength.ca.
0: Uh, info at return to and uh website is returntoform.ca
1: bam all right we'll catch you guys next time